Throughout our history in America, music has been the most vivid reflector of our culture. Think about the blues which grew out of slavery. I took a free train, waved home. Or jazz which came out of and then defined the avant-garde moment of the early 20th century. What about the sugary bubblegum pop of the 1980s and how it reflected a glittery time in American consumerism? And of course, there was a huge political wave that swept through music in the 1960s, which reflected the civil rights movement and the other protests that defined that era. Music is the vehicle for expression of what's happening in American culture. On this special holiday edition of Created Equal, we'll look at how American music has dealt with inequality and injustice, even during the holidays. And we'll look at one moment in American history where the shift in artistry was dramatic and swift. I'm Laura Weber Davis. And I'm Stephen Henderson from WDET in Detroit. This is Created Equal. In this country, our courts are the great levelers. And that the rights of every man are diminished, and the rights of one man are threatened. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We founded on the principle. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That all men are created equal. All men are created equal. This whole conversation about art and inequality began one day when Stephen and I were talking about Christmas music. We're both really big fans. I'm such a big fan, in fact, that every year I make a special Christmas playlist. I put together a mix of standards and other songs that I think reflect the season's emotions. And so with that in mind, I told Stephen this year that I came across a Christmas tune by Marvin Gaye, one I'd never heard, with an unexpected holiday message. But I... So a Christmas song from the perspective of a prisoner of war. Now, this would have been in the early 1970s as the nation was trying to extract itself from a war that had been claiming more than 10,000 lives every year. And it wasn't just Marvin who used the holidays as a time to express the blue elements of society. Think about Harry Belafonte. He had, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill. 
And John Lennon has the classic, Happy Christmas, War is Over. And I'm so happy It wasn't always like that, though. The 1960s, because of the roiling changes they brought in the nation's social and political consciousness, they really altered the way artists saw themselves and saw their work. The 60s sort of laid the foundation. I mean, it started to stir things up. That's WDET's iconic radio DJ, Anne DeLisi. We've got the civil rights movement, and we have people questioning things the way things had not been questioned in the past. That laid the foundation, certainly for Marvin Gaye, to take this to another level. Delisi says Marvin Gaye pushed Motown in a political direction that was making founder Barry Gordy very uncomfortable at first. Delisi says Marvin, though, was living the turmoil of the 1960s. He was suffering with drugs. He had, he had divorced. He was married to Barry Gordy's sister. They had divorced. He was very affected by the Vietnam War. So his mindset was very different. Eventually, the Motown sound shifted with its artists, such as Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, and Edwin Starr as artists were absorbing what was changing about American life. And some of these artists, you have to remember, at at this point in time, a lot of these artists were afraid of what it would do with their relationship with their audience and what it would do to their sales and their entire careers. So they weren't about to be so adventurous, if you will. Artists were trained to meet a certain level of showmanship. Love songs and dance tunes were the order of the day, and it was difficult for many artists to make a political leap. Not so long ago, I spoke with Jay Butler, a longtime music industry insider, and Dennis Coffey, a guitarist with the Motown studio band, the Funk Brothers. Coffey says Motown artists were expected to maintain a high polish. Uh, The whole thing is it's the musician's job and the entertaining vocalists, it's their job to connect with the audience. And so if the audience doesn't get them right away or they're not connecting, I don't think it's really the audience. And and that's why it's so important for anybody to play in clubs all the time. So you can refine what you're doing to what people respond to. Because if you play stuff people don't like in any city, and even Detroit, the audience will turn on you. You know, they don't like that. Oh, yes, they will. From Hitsville, USA. The home of the world-famous Detroit Sound, we invite you to meet Motown Records. You've got to remember, too, that at Motown, for example, they were trained. I mean, they had folks who trained them how to do... To be ready, stage readier. Yes. Sure, absolutely. They had choreography. They had uh, how to to, uh, present themselves. Yeah, Charlie was... Uh, choreographer and I mean every group every group and every artist was trained so they were kind of seasoned for performing when they got to Motown so audiences I mean they they, they knew how to deal with audiences Let your friends laugh, even though 
Well, how would you describe Jay like the sound as it evolved from? We're talking about this golden era being 65 to 75. What would you? How would you describe the change in the sound over that period of time? During that time period, we had the war going on. We had the riot that had happened. We had all of those social changes, and and that's what everybody was writing about. So almost in everybody's camp in their music uh, was dealing with that. And uh, the sound of the music, it, it even had something to do uh, with the sound of the music then. Even as far as instrumentation, what yeah. instruments were being yeah. used and how? Yeah, it was very, uh, you could tell a whole story in a lot of the Motown songs because they were such great writers. I mean, they'd have love stories and relationships. And then Norman comes along and he takes it in a whole nother direction. Uh, psychedelic protest songs and psychedelic shack and drugs and all that stuff. That changed the music, but it was a Vietnam War plus, you know, the, the riots and so forth. And it was, wasn't just in Detroit. They had them in a lot of yeah, cities like right. that. So the whole social consciousness of what was going on in the U.S. impacted the music. At the request of Mayor Kavanaugh, we've made state police and National Guardsmen available to assist in... Uh, dealing with what is a case of lawlessness and uh, hoodlumism. I heard all the shooting and everything, so I woke up, and uh, I couldn't see the fire from the front of the house. I had to get up. Then, then they started shooting tear gas and everything, and then they brought a tank out here. And are, you, are you married? Uh, I'm a married man. My wife's in the hospital for burns, and I don't think it's right. And she I was burned in the fire. In the fire here in this apartment. Somebody came in the studio in the middle of the session and said, well, you know, someone just firebombed the drugstore right a couple doors down, they said, and it's on fire. So you guys need to be aware of that. So we put somebody outside to watch the fire, and we did the session and finished the session, and we took the tapes and went home. And then I was talking to Eddie Willis, uh, one of the Funk Brothers, a guitar player, and uh, Eddie had suffered polio as a child, so he had a cane. Hmm. So he pulls up in front of his house and gets out of his gets out of his car, and he's got a cane in one hand and a guitar in the other, and he gets stopped by a Sherman tank, and the tank pointed a turn at him and said, "What are you doing here? It's past curfew." And he said, "Well, I was just doing a gig. I live here." And, uh, you know, I think on the east side of town, they brought in the 101st Airborne. And yep. when I was in the Army, I was in the 101st Airborne. So, wow. And they brought them back when they just came back from Vietnam. So I knew that uh, that'd be a whole different kind of response over there because these guys are battle-hardened when they brought them over. But uh, it was just sad to see what happened. You know? Oh, it was. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. There's a great temptation to become shrill about what happened here in Detroit in July. It's a temptation we wish to avoid. If it does not impress you with the absolute urgency of relieving that desperation, then we will not have communicated what black America is trying to tell white America. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, brother. 
An allied force of more than 8,000 men today tightened its hold on the Batangan Peninsula on South Vietnam's central coast, trapping an undetermined number of North Vietnamese and Viet Cong troops in tunnel and bunker systems. My conscience won't let me go shoot my brother or uh, some darker people or uh, some poor hungry people in the mud for big powerful America and shoot them for what? How can I shoot them poor people? I would just take me to jail. Uh, usually the art is uh, a reflection of society and how society feels about themselves and things that Marvin was talking about, how he felt about society. Barry pretty much, he mentored them, but they were given a lot of free reign to experiment and try stuff, so we had that freedom to be creative. That was the environment that, that Barry had at that time to do that. Thanks to Dennis Coffey and Jay Butler for sharing those memories. We talk in America all the time about how the courts or the education system, those are the things that are the great equalizers in our society. But music and art are truly available to everyone, and they can be used to help people better see inequality and understand themselves within American society. There's something about feeding your spirit. Here's radio DJ Anne DeLisi. Okay, you know, we, we have food for sustenance, and then there's something that it has to be fed, and that's our soul and our spirit. And that's where music and art are the great equalizer. If you think about especially when radio in its heyday, we would experience music together, all of us. That has kind of waned, uh, opposed to the way it was in the 60s. You know, Joan Baez and Bob Dylan being very vocal about things. You get to politics and you get to, like, right now, you didn't hear a whole lot of protest songs during this election. And if there was going to be protest songs during an election, this would have been the one. You know, we are in a different time now where artists are a little more cautious about their image because of the instantaneous way that anything they say and do is put out to the world. And that wasn't that way in the 60s. You know, you could do all kinds of things. People didn't know about it. But now, whatever you do, whatever you say, however you say it, it's out there and it's permanently out there. And so I think there's a little more cautiousness about it. We didn't hear a lot of protest songs. The one space that seems to be protected, although I think maybe there was a moment where that wouldn't be so, is still in hip-hop. There was a moment where it was getting extremely poppy and going the, that direction of sort of an overpolished, overprotected state. But when you see Chance the Rapper and you see Kendrick Lamar and you see some of these younger guys coming out now with a much more political message that's succeeding, it seems like the one prominent source of pop music where you're hearing a lot of protests still. There's no question about it. I mean, hip-hop from its beginning was a reflection of society. And it was a, a reflection of a part of our society that didn't have a voice. If you think about so many different kinds of music, it's always a backlash to something. It comes out of a discontent. Hip-hop came out of a huge discontent. But the entire way along, hip-hop and rap, um, what is so incredible about it is that it reflected our society, it reflected um, a demographic of our society in a way that was undeniable. There was nothing soft about it. There was, the messages were so direct. 
And so you're absolutely right. So the protest songs, protests about the election necessarily, no, but protests about injustice, absolutely. And it's powerful and it's successful. In some way, that that goes sort of full circle back to Marvin Gaye and this Christmas song and what's going on, where he just sort of laid it all bare in an environment where nobody else was all that comfortable with doing it and nobody really wanted him to do it either. I always think that things get cyclical. You know, we see these cycles of how music changes and how people change and how artists change. And we've seen a lot of things come and go again and again. There are artists who can and will continue to push the envelope, to question things. Some artists are going to be afraid of hurting themselves. But every artist has to decide what's important, how important it is, if they even want to be a political voice. And and because this election and because the political atmosphere is so highly charged, so highly emotionally charged, you have to ask yourself if you're up for whatever battle could come from it, if you get out there and say what you think. Thanks to Anne DeLisi for lending us her thoughts about music and society. If you want to feed your ears and soul, check out her new podcast, Culinary Remix. On the next Created Equal, we'll look at how the Electoral College has its roots in many different types of inequality. Created Equal is a production of WDET in Detroit. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Our producer is Jake Neer, and our engineer is Sam Bobian. The music of Created Equal is by Will Sessions. I'm Stephen Henderson. Thanks for listening. WDET's work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Knight Foundation, and the Ford Foundation's Renaissance Journalism Project.